2: Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615.
3: That's 210-314-2615.
2: What
1: makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning?
3: They do my laundry the way I like
4: it. The wonderful customer service.
3: Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done.
4: They do good work. I
0: just love Rose Cleaners. Very
5: excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here.
6: They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years.
1: Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there
0: in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service
4: was very friendly. You can really trust them.
0: They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game.
4: Express Lube
6: is accurate for the name of their store.
5: And with 23 stores, there's an express lube near you. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Welcome
1: to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program, weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15- to 20-minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Welcome
5: for the Bible Live Quiz Show. I hope we're loud and clear to you. Jacob is with me here in the studio, and we're ready to get some questions out there on the airwaves for you Uh-oh. to uh, listen to and to call in. And answer. We most of our questions tonight coming now from the New Testament. This past week we finished up the book of Second Samuel. As you know, the books of First and Second Samuel in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, as Jacob has taught us to uh, call it, is uh, the books of First and Second Samuel were uh, one work, one historical presentation written all together, then uh, divided. I, I, I've heard at the time of the translation. The uh, Greek translation from the Hebrew, the, what do they call it, the Septuagint? But, well, uh, that actually, we different... actually,
2: not to get technical, but uh, okay, uh, uh, technical. actually the te- Septuagint is Greek, of course, as you say. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. okay, good. And it's uh, it actually referred to, and it's pretty darn accurate. But that was the first five books of Torah. After that, they did, did other translations, and quite frankly, they're not very reliable. But the first five they did for the Torah, though that's a Septuagint. And, okay. And are, are you talking
5: about just the first five books of the Hebrew? Yes, okay. uh, the
2: Greek. So and the
5: rest of the books after that, you're not too excited about the quality of the translation?
2: Well, not just me, uh, uh, almost everybody. But the first is almost uniformly agreed that they've done a fine job. Uh, on the Torah. but sometime I'd like to tell you how it came to be that there was such a fine job.
5: That'd be fine, all right. That that'd was, be fine? Someday. Okay, someday.
2: <laughs> Don't launch right this minute. Oh, I but, am not uh, going to launch right.
5: But now. there you go. Uh, so we finished up, though, the book of 2 Samuel. Uh-huh.
2: That was the 2nd Samuel.
5: Uh huh, the 2nd. And um, I was wondering, do you have a phone number? Oh, we do. 340 9585. That's the call in line for the Bible Live. Uh, I was writing it show.
2: down. I missed it. What was it? 340
5: 9585.
2: I got it. Okay. Are you going to give me a call or something? Uh, I just want to make sure that we uh, got
5: it. Then, then uh, we picked up on Tuesday night of this last week, went back to the, the New Testament and picked up in the um, Gospel of John, read chapters 1 through 9. So we'll be uh, asking you questions from both of those sources tonight, from Second Samuel chapter 22 to the end, and then from the Gospel of John in the New Testament, chapters 1 through 9. And, of course, uh, we move also through the Psalms and the Proverbs, our wisdom and worship segment. We picked up Psalm 66 as we were finishing up uh, 2 Samuel. And then when we jump forward to the Gospel of John, we also jump forward to the books of the Proverbs. So we picked up chapters 8 and 9 in the Proverbs. And that first question, don't you just love it? Psalm 836 says, All who hate me love death. Who am I? And it's our old friend. We can't give the name, but uh, that's going to bring out that thing you always tell me, right, about mm-hmm. uh, understanding and knowledge and so on. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I know, I know. I, know. I know that you know. Like a lot of us Gentiles, I, I'm kind of fascinated with this other one, the other one of the three. Why, of, of the course
2: three. you are.
5: Proverbs 8.36 says, ah. All who hate me love death. My question to you folks out there is: Who am I? Who is this? Who is this one? It's actually a thing, but it's uh, personified uh-huh. here in the books of the Proverbs. All right. Uh, all who hate me love death. So yep. let me uh, give you another. Uh, I'm going to give you another question. This is more. This is more general uh, knowledge, general knowledge, and we we have Richard. Todd coming in. Okay, listen,
2: Ricardo and Todd, we have you. Let us just quickly finish the questions, and we'll come right to you. I'm going
5: to give you a general knowledge question because both Old and New Testament talk about this concept of confessing sin, and so I want to ask you folks, as best you know, what does it mean to confess? uh, To confess sin, in particular, what does the word confess mean? Now, I don't. as
2: opposed to pof- profess? Uh, uh, not profess. Uh,
5: <laughs> That's, uh, no, not as opposed to anything. How about
2: contest? Uh,
5: not opposed to or yeah. not in comparison to. Yeah. I guess what I'm just wanting to make sure is when we hear the word confess, it's actually become one of those big re- religious words now. Yeah. I, I know the Catholic Church, they talk about going to confession and yes. so on. Uh, and so we have, when something becomes um, ritualized and formalized as a word, sometimes it actually le- loses its you know it loses its actual practical meaning of what it what it actually means you know it has yes. a tendency to do that so i want to ask you uh, folks
2: what i you certainly have
5: forgot what confess means yeah confesses what what do you think it means what do you say i said
2: i forgot what confess means oh, there you go uh,
5: that, i i have that ability to confuse you to you think you used to know what it meant, right? Okay, in Second Samuel, Jacob, do you have a couple of questions? Well, I got two
2: quick ones because I know John is the highlighted book tonight. Yes, but let's go to Second Samuel. Okay, I Second Samuel, you're number four, and Two Samuel 24. What sin of David caused him to have to choose between three harsh punishments? All right. Now that's a and that that's a nice little discussion actually. That's
5: remember when you were a kid and dad uh, sent you out and said, I gotta give you a spanking, uh, so go out in the backyard uh, and choose your own switch. Yes. Choose your own branch yes. that you get a spanking. Well this is kind of what happened to David. He had to choose God gave him a choice sure. of you can have this or this or the other. Right. And our question to you is what was the mistake that uh, David make, what made? What was the sin? Well,
2: we had a large backyard, so I'd come back an hour and a half later.
5: <laughs> With a blade of grass. Well, right? and
2: I would say, now how do my shoes look now?
5: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's better. Uh, so anyway, you gave us that question from Second uh, Samuel. Let's
2: let's get one more. Do you have right. one? all right? One? one more. You're number five in Second Samuel again, chapter twenty-four. What were the three? Pun- punishments? What are the three punishments? Okay. So what did he do, and what are the three punishments? What did he do,
5: and, and what were the three punishments? And that's the, the name of that
2: term. Okay. Now from the Gospel of John, do you also have some? I do. There? I okay. do. Uh, you're number one. Okay. John says the word is God. Existing before creation and creating everything that exists. Who is the word? And boy, are we going to have a discussion about that.
5: Okay, what or who? Uh, yeah, I think you're going to go uh, You're going to go theological on this, aren't you? Uh, no, just accurate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got the habit of being right. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. No, uh, I, now, I,
2: obviously, I'm joking, but I, I do have a little good. bit of a take on that.
5: And I told you tonight that maybe we'll get into a little bit of a discussion uh-huh. about this. Yeah. About... I've kind of been concentrating and kind of focusing this week as I read the uh-huh, Gospel of John. Uh-huh. I've been fascinated by this. There, there seems to be sort of a distinct, different way that we Gentiles respond to uh, to the Messiah, and, and and of course you can't can't say all Jews because there, there are all kinds of different responses in the uh, view, even in the. Uh, you know what I always well. tell
2: you. Three Jews in the Room Six. Opinions. Six opinions. Yeah.
5: But a, the, I see kind of a, at least a general, yeah. in general, a different kind of way of responding. And not only today, yeah. but I'm looking at even yeah. in the time of Jesus. Sure. Uh, in, in the time of the Roman Empire. Sure. The, the what we see there in the New Testament, uh, mm-hmm. the Romans and right. the the other nations and people groups that heard about uh, Jesus, there seemed to be a kind of a different way of responding mm-hmm. to it. A kind of a different inference and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that. Maybe. A bit. What do you, What else we got All in the right, Gospel that's, of John?
2: Uh, The next one is your number five. Okay. What religious leader, a Pharisee, uh-huh. had a secret late night visit with Jesus and became a sympathizer? And that's in John chapter three, verse one. He had a late night visit with Jesus and became
5: a sympathizer, and and we have this famous. John chapter three, which well, is actually a, actually there's a phrase in there that I really really like. Okay, yeah. what was his name, folks? Who was this
2: this religious leader that came uh, to Jesus okay. by night? And you want one more? You want? Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, you're number seven. How many people did Jesus baptize? Mm, and bad? I would oh. like to ask the supplemental question that's not here. Okay. Why? Oh, interesting. Okay. okay, you want to answer some questions? How really, many people
5: did Jesus baptize? Now, who do
2: we got on? Who do we you got
5: on Ricardo phone? first, then Todd. Okay, let's go with Ricardo first. Uh-huh. Then. Hi, Ricardo. We're glad to have you on the air tonight for the Bible Live Quiz Show. How are you doing? Hey, Good, good. Good to hear and your voice. My question
7: out is, after uh, the next day when the resurrection the Jesus, yes. when Jesus went to the apostles, Uh, And find the apostles on the street, I don't know where. And what is the first promise that Jesus do after the
5: resurrection? Okay, say it one more time, Ricardo, okay?
7: Okay. My question is, after the resurrection, when uh, the apostles say to Jesus, hey, coming is dark, coming at my home, and the first day when Jesus say, um, "I broke in the bread and uh, thank you for this," when the apostles look at Jesus after the resurrection, what is the first promise that Jesus
6: say at this guy?
5: The first promise you say? Yes. The first <clears throat> promise that Jesus gives to the people after the resurrection. Now <laughs> I'm going to. I've got a little. Technicality to get out of this question. If I, if I get it wrong, uh, Ricardo, you'll, you'll have to be patient with me because actually we didn't get to that point in our readings this past week, but don't worry. I'm not going to use it as an escape route
2: for the moment. Uh, so do
5: you, you, you get the question, Jacob, after
2: I, I do get the question after the I'm, resurrection. I'm, I'm waiting for your okay. answer. Okay.
7: Okay. Uh, maybe this answer is a uh, correct or wrong. And when I was a child, my mom told me, the, when I'm me alone, always say, hey, Jesus, come in at my home and, um uh, and you never alone. Yes, because Jesus coming at your home. You open the door and you say, hey, Jesus, come in at my home and alone here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. you think this is the, uh, a
5: fierce promise that Jesus did Jesus do? I, I think I may get, understand where you're coming from here. There, now uh, let me make sure, Ricardo. I'm understanding your question. You're saying that when when Jesus appeared to the apostles after the resurrection, you're saying what was the the promise he made to them? Now. Uh, My question back to you is, are you talking about when Jesus uh, appeared to the women who went to the tomb? or Are you talking about when he appeared to the disciples as they gathered in the uh, evidently uh, kind of an upper room or they they had a place where they were meeting and the women told them? The
7: promise when uh, the apostles say, uh, come in, it's it's, it's, uh, night. You come in at my home and stay here, and when the, the apostles bring the dinner to the table, Jesus say, Hey, thank you for this. And this, the apostles say, Oh, this is Jesus when he's opened the eyes. And Jesus making one promise in this time.
2: Okay. So you know, I'm actually looking at it as Ricardo's asking a question. Mm-hmm. Where is it found? Yeah, uh, it's actually in, uh, you're right, it's for next week, but this is fine. It's John, uh, chapter twenty, uh-huh. and it begins at verse nineteen, through uh, <clears throat> through twenty four. Let's say. Is that what
5: you're talking about? Uh, John
2: chapter nineteen. I'm sorry. I oh, think John you chapter, yeah. chapter nineteen. Ni- I'm sorry. John chapter twenty, 20. verse nineteen. Okay. Uh, and it goes on for two or three verses. And this is when uh, He comes the day afterwards. It says, on the evening of that day, of the first day of the week,
5: yeah.
2: uh, when the doors were shut, He came where the disciples were. And uh, they, and He made the statement, Peace be unto you.
5: And then you wanting to know what was okay. Aha. Uh-huh.
2: And then ver- look at verse 22. So yes. Perhaps that's what Ricardo said.
5: Receive talking. the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiving. What what an amazing statement that Jesus makes there to his disciples. So, uh, is that the answer to your question? And
7: um, I
5: think I think
7: yes. And the, the problem, my friend, is right now I'm working. am uh, working, but.
2: Well, put your, put your boss on. Let's ask him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking.
5: Yeah, cl- clarify to us a little bit. What what you thinking is, and uh, do you have a problem with that particular statement? No, no, or no you...
7: just uh, uh, you. I think Christian gave me the car, and I say, oh, let me call this guy. I had this question.
5: Yes. Just? Oh, we really appreciate your calling. No doubt, it, it is very. Interesting passage and it's a very interesting uh, first thing he says is peace be with you. And I
2: say, now in the look, first look place at verse, look at Ricardo has really drawn some significant attention to verse twenty-two. Ex- exactly. And, 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 every, and this says, entire passage uh-huh, is very interesting. Uh-huh. And Ricardo, you're there, right? Yes. Okay, yes. look. On twenty-two it says, and I'll read it for the audience if I may. It says, uh, and when he, Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit.
5: Now, Receive the okay. Holy
2: Spirit. Now, I think I can explain that. Okay. Now, first he says, Peace be with you. Yeah, yeah. And
5: that's probably because this is a dead man appearing to men who watched, many of some of them watched him die. They yeah. knew he was dead. Yeah. And so in the first place, he has to tell them, Peace, you know, don't faint, don't don't have a heart attack. I'm guessing uh, that you know this was not just a run-of-the-mill uh, sort of an appearance, a run-of-the-mill incident. They met with the person who was dead. I dead, would say it would dead. be an u-
2: unusual experience.
5: Yes. And so the first thing is, peace be with you. That wasn't just a formality. I think it yeah, probably he's saying.
2: Was... I think in modern English, he's saying, hey, listen,
5: don't be afraid. Calm yeah, down. Afraid. It's Calm me. Calm down. Peace be with you. And then he has this interesting statement. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus has talked to his disciples uh-huh. before yes. about the Holy Spirit.
2: Uh-huh. Hey, anybody blew on them That's key to Yeah, this. and very interesting in this case. And then verse twenty-three, it goes on to say, "If any, as Ricardo said, if any of you forgive sins, they'll be forgiven." Okay. Then but you go from the Holy Spirit, yeah. you go to talking about forgiving sins.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, okay. Carlos, Ricardo, do you want to say something about it first, or are you wanting to kind of see? No, are you Mr. really calling me? The- uh, no, no, i I'm,
7: I'm okay. Okay. And okay, and um, maybe I call you next Sunday. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm working. Okay.
5: Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about your question. It's yeah. a very good one. Thank it's, you for it's calling. It's a great question. I, I really yes. do appreciate it. So, uh, hang on. Uh, well, go ahead. We'll, we'll let you go. But then listen to the answer. All right. Stay with us if you can. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks Thank a lot, you, Ricardo. Thank you very much. And it's Todd. Uh, you have a wonderful night, everybody. All right. Bye. We'll go talk with Todd now. Todd, we're going to talk a little bit about Ricardo's question in just a moment, but who knows, maybe you have a little thought about it as well. But uh, maybe you yourself, Todd, had a question that you wanted to answer tonight. Oh, okay. You mean the questions that you were um, asking? That we asked at the beginning of the program. If you, if there's one of those that you'd like to answer for us, we'd uh, appreciate that. And Okay. Uh, um, if not, it, maybe you have a thought about the question that Ricardo brought up as the, well. Um,
6: yeah, the, the one that, well, I know the first, I think the first one, you were asking was what is confession
5: yeah you got a thought for us there
6: well what i to me it's bearing one's soul humbly and honestly before god um you know as to our condition that, you know like being honest about our specific sins and, and the fact that we have a sin nature and and um and it, it could be also confessing to another believer
5: yeah we're called upon to do that as well that's that's true
6: and, and but but I I mean you were kind of talking about you guys that David and David confessed yep. um to a man but he also confessed to God in you know after being convicted of his his sin.
5: Exactly. That's one reason I brought the question up is because Psalm sixty six is a psalm that talks about David talks about uh the fact that God will not heed or attend to our prayers as God's people, God will not heed or attend to our prayers if we fail to confess our sins to Him. Yes, yeah, um, Psalm sixty-six. Exactly. And so I, I was, I, I was kind of curious. It gives us a, a, an occasion to talk about this concept of what does it actually mean. And I, I think you're in the ballpark, and you're, you definitely, the kind of the populist, non-technical notion is that, yeah, it's just fess up, you know, say. Be honest and face up to your responsibilities. Take responsibility for your wrong decisions or your wrong actions uh, Mm -hmm. in general. Now, there is a little bit. If you, at least in the in the Greek language, if you go to the actual language of Greek for that is, the word that is that is translated confess, it's actually two words in Greek: homologeos, and the literal meaning in Greek is. To say the same thing, uh, to put those two phrases together, and it it actually means to say literally say the same thing that God says about our sin. So it's a little bit of a broader notion than just sort of you know honestly, it's actually taking God's perspective of our sin, not just us saying you know kind of our uh, our own personal kind of uh, fessing up, but it's a little in the technical sense. In the Greek, at least, it has that idea of agreeing, say the same thing God says about our sin. In Hebrew, do you you have any kind of a special view and understanding of the idea of confessing?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, you can use the concept of confessing in English, of course. It's more like the word is like a tefillah, uh, which is uh, like a prayer. And during the prayers, you can talk out loud just like we're talking, but it's uh, basically... You're becoming at one, that's where the idea of atonement, atonement comes. Yeah, uh-huh. So it's not dissimilar, because when you're saying the same thing, it's when you're becoming at one with God. It uh, it means that uh, you're agreeing with Him that you are, you've done bad things, you're a sinner. Uh-huh. And uh, I think the concept of how that's dealt with is a little different, but it's, it's generally the same thing. Right. And I suspect that...
5: You know, what, what, I, what I wouldn't want to do is muddy the waters by making it more far more complicated right. and difficult. I You're probably right, uh, Todd, that it's really kind of a straightforward, simple concept. Just be honest with God. And yet, because it's become such a religious word, uh, it, you know, go to confession or I, you know, sometimes I think, People rush into God's presence and they say, oh, God, forgive me for all my sins and, and I'm sorry I'm, I'm a sinner and thank you for your forgiveness. And they, and they go on and we consider that confession just kind of a general sort of a, a broad statement. I, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for your forgiveness. And uh, I've done wrong things in kind of a general way. Whereas hmm. I think the concept here of confession is more specific and more technical in the, in the sense of if if we if we've sinned against God then we need to name you know agree with God about the reality of our sin in the first place don't play games and call it something else or uh, or you know kind of shine over it and say well it didn't hurt anybody and nobody knows about it yeah. and so therefore it, so there's no harm no foul sort of thing but really agree with God about the reality of the sin secondly agree with God about the results the disastrous destructive results in our own lives And we hurt other people as well. We hurt our witness. So we agree with God about the result. We take His attitude about it. Thirdly, we agree with God about the remedy. The remedy of sin is the atonement, is the death of Jesus, the shed blood of Messiah. And then finally, not only forgiveness, but the removal. Asking the Holy Spirit here mentioned in this passage, Lord, take that sin out of my life. Not only forgive me, but by Your power, Deliver me from its hold on me so that I'm not even tempted by that sin. Change me from the inside so that I don't sin. That would be a kind of a more complete view of the idea of agreeing with God about our sin. We've got to take a break. I'm sorry. Hang on, though, Todd. We want to visit more with you when we come back. 340-9585, folks. We'll see you in just a moment. And now a word from one of our Bible
1: Live sponsors.
2: Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results.
1: www.thebiblelive.com Or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas
5: 78218 Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert Shayla James What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes?
4: Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets.
5: Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535.
4: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait, and I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
5: Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878.
3: Hi, this is Baron Wiley, and March 16th, 2000, was one of the greatest days of my life. That was one of ten days when I went to the Holy Land. One of ten days where I walked where my Savior walked, where I boarded a boat and floated through the Sea of Galilee, stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed, walked through the Kidron Valley like Jesus did when he went up to Jerusalem. I touched the western wall and looked up to the sky and prayed where millions have been praying to God 24-7 for over 2,000 years. I stood where King David stood, where he overlooked the old city. And on that spot, on March 16, 2000, I propose to my future wife, Shan, the most life-changing, unforgettable week of my life. My dear friend, join Alistair Begg, KSLR listeners like yourself and other believers, the week of October 24, 2015, and experience Israel with Genesis Tours. Travel with comfort and ease, stay in four- and five-star hotels, and it's so true you will never read the Bible the same way again. Experience Israel this fall. All the details at KSLR.com.
1: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
5: readings this past week from the book of 2 Samuel chapters 22 to 24 and through uh, from the first nine chapters of the Gospel of John. So we've already had a couple of good calls, good questions being asked. some, uh, some are calling in like Todd to maybe answer a question and he answered the question correctly from uh, Psalm 66 we were talking about the concept of confession of sin, what it means, and Todd has given us a good idea about that, uh, acknowledging our sin to God, being up front. I kind of gave a little bit more of a technical uh, answer, a longer answer to it in the sense, of, from the New Testament at least, the concept that, that confession means to say the same thing about our sin that God says. And I do think it it does help us to give a little more thought to the idea that instead of just kind of rushing into God's presence and saying, oh, God, forgive me for everything I've done wrong and that's it, and considering that confession, yeah, I think we sometimes uh, we, we play kind of loose and, and, uh, with the idea of confession without really naming it and taking responsibility for it and taking God's attitude, changing our thought and attitude about that sin and, m- and turning away from it. And then of course also part of the idea of confession is agreeing that with God's plan to remove that sin from our life which is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as God's people. That's what the Spirit of God is doing, is not only forgiving us of sin, but the idea is to take that sin out of our life, out of our experience. And He has the power to change us and deliver us from sin's hold on us. So I I gave a little bit of a heart, uh, a little bit of a broader, uh, maybe more, uh, hopefully a little bit helpful and more complete answer of confession. But uh, Todd, anything you wanted to add to or, or respond to the idea there we had about confession or? You've already won your prize, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you.
6: No, I, I, I think I mean you covered it pretty thoroughly. There makes makes sense to me.
5: Yeah, I, I, I have kind of been concerned about sometimes how we sort of rush into God's presence and just say, "Please forgive me." And Jacob actually brought another question, another idea up from the the Jewish idea of forgiveness, is that there are situations in which, in other words, God isn't sort of sitting up there just kind of waiting on us to show the slightest little. Uh, inclination or quite, slightest little sorrow of our sin, so he can forgive us. And you were telling about some movie where a Jewish fellow well, goes into a Catholic... Uh, yeah, got, Sounds like yeah. a bad joke. A, this Jewish fellow goes
2: into a Catholic well, no, it, priest it, it's a, I forgot the name it's like on the highway, on the road. It's Samuel Jackson and the guy named... Um, I can't talk any louder there, so... Okay. Um, at any rate... Uh, But um, Samuel Jackson and a guy named Affleck, and they have this conflict anyway. So the guy has some papers, and he stumbles in to a Catholic church, and he sits down. A Jewish fellow, right? A Jewish person. Mm -hmm. and uh, And the priest opens up the, and this, what I like about this, this illustrates the conceptual difference. So the priest opens up the little hatch there and says, hey, would you like to confess your sins? And the Jewish guy said, confess my sins. And, he, and the priest said yes. And he said, well, "How are you going to do that?" He said, "Well, I'll bless you, and you'll be forgiven." Now that's a Catholic concept. I'm not criticizing, but the Jewish guy really defines the concept as different. He, <laughs> he says, says "What?" <laughs> he said, "Well, how are you going to do that? I've still got that guy's property, and he has to have it by three o'clock, or he's going to something bad's going to happen to him. I got to find him. You can't just tell me I'm forgiven, and I still have his property." And that really, to me, when I saw that movie. I thought, you know, that is a great illustration of the different approaches and different concepts.
5: Well, even the Christian, well, let's just talk about a biblical approach to the idea. Uh, I, I think, Todd, do you remember? I don't know the member of the passage, but we are told very clearly that we are to confess our sins to the Lord, agree with God about our sin. But if we have stolen something, if we have hurt somebody else. We need to go make that good. We need to make recompense. We need to take that stolen object back. Uh, in other words, we need to reconcile with the person we've hurt uh, and make it right with them and then come back to the altar, it says, uh, and then then we can uh, go to God for forgiveness. So I, I, I think, too, that, I mean, properly understood, biblically understood, I think it includes uh, Christians. We ought to be more of an agreement with what you just said
2: well, I'll give a... Uh, hey, Scott uh, Todd, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. I, do you know... We all know that when people say a prayer to God, for whatever reason, they don't go in there and say things. I've never known a person that says something untrue, like, hey, God, did you know I got $50 million in the bank? I got three cars, three Rolls Royces, and all that kind of stuff. People don't seem to lie in their prayers. At any rate.
5: I the, suppose the idea is that God knows uh-huh. when we are lying, right? We well, can't really fool him. Well, uh, who knows? Yeah.
2: But they don't seem to. At any rate, Todd, I'm going to ask you something, and you're going to remember this pretty much forever. You ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, obviously, you say you a prayer, a and you warning. don't mean it. I'm sorry, what? And you don't mean it. You, It's it's really kind of a hollow prayer. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Uh huh. So you got to have an intent, not not uh, the restitution, but even the prayer has to have the intent in it that you sincerely mean it. Would that be correct? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Now I'm I going agree. to tell you the Jewish word for intent, and you are never going to forget it. I guess I've got soapies and everybody's attention now, he don't under- I?
5: He underestimates my ability to forget things. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> this is true. But um, but I'll forget that I told you and I'll tell you again. <laughs> okay. okay. It's, it's like the Irish last name, Kavanaugh. That's, it's Kavanaugh is intent. That's when you say a prayer, and that's why it doesn't make a difference in Jewish thought. If you say it in Greek or Cambodian or English, Hebrew, it doesn't make any difference. It's the intent that counts. And the word for Hebrew of of intent in your prayer is called Kavanaugh, believe it or not.
5: Actually, that's that's a Hebrew word, huh?
2: Well, it's also an so Irish Mr. name. So Mr.
5: Kavanaugh was probably a, a Jewish
2: person. I don't know anything about that at all. Oh, okay. I, I'm being told to speak up. I see, oh, he's telling you to speak up. Oh, he's telling me to speak yeah. up. Oh, my goodness. I'm doing the best I can. I'm usually the loudest any person Anyway, do you the find law. that interesting, Todd? Yes, definitely. And you remember the word. And what's the word, Todd? Kavanaugh. See? You remembered it already.
5: Oh, He's practicing up on you, Todd. So, yes. okay, let's let's um, ask Todd. A, yeah, let's a ask him a question. couple of questions. Right. I want to talk. I to want Todd. to see if he can clear up some of these for us because people are wondering. Do you remember the name of that religious leader that came to Jesus by night and asked him a bunch of questions about being born again and all that kind of stuff?
6: Yes, I, I believe it was. I believe.
5: Does it start? Okay, with, does say... it start
2: with an N? Yeah, Nicodemus. Ah, you got I, it, great. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. How many did... how many children did Nicodemus have? I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what was his cousin's name? Okay. But okay, uh, well, I am going to tell you. Something. Do you happen to have a Bible with you? Todd? Yes, I do. I you know, I was getting the impression by the way you're responding that you're looking at something. I had that feeling. Okay. All right. Would you do me just the biggest favor, Todd?
5: Okay. Okay. Be careful, Todd. This is Uh, usually a trap.
2: Well, it's not a trap. We're going to (laughs) we're going to share. All right. Let's do some sharing. Uh, Now, actually, one of my great favorite lines in this is uh, Nicodemus is talking with him, uh, with Jesus, and as we move down, uh,
5: Chapter three of John. Chapter
2: three of John. Thank you. And in eight, of course, you know, uh, Jesus something that you have to be born again. And, of course, there's Nick, that
5: wonderful you, Jimmy Carter phrase, so born not, again. Well,
2: yeah. and then in 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again? And he said, you are a teacher of Israel and do not understand and You us. don't
5: understand this thing?
2: Yeah, and what's always baffled me is how, from a Jewish perspective, did this guy not to understand that and be what we'd call a teacher of Israel or a rabbi perhaps or on the senate cuz this is not a foreign concept. It's not? No, of is course it not. It's spoken of in the Tanakh? That's what I, that's why I'm focusing on this. Todd is going to work with me. On this. All right. And I and I could you never like Todd. I could never figure this out because I thought, well, this sounds like this guy's stupid. And how did he ever get promoted? And did he have a brother-in-law or something?
5: Well, I don't remember in the in the Tanakh in the uh-huh. whole, in the Old Testament. Uh-huh. I don't remember
2: the Concept of being born. Oh here. yes, you do. But we'll, do we'll we'll return to that after we finish All right. this. All right. But now, and of course, Jesus. And, I, and I'd like you to look at ten, if you would, Todd. Chapter ten or verse ten. No, you're still in John three, John verse 3, ten. 10. Okay. Are you there, Todd? Yes. And see, these are things that puzzled me as a Jewish reader. Uh, so I looked at ten, and would you would you read verse ten for us, Todd?
6: Jesus replied, You are the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things.
2: Aha. Now that's Jesus, we agree. Now the answer, I think, to me is verse eleven. And let's look at that. It says, okay. the version the version I'm looking at it says, Truly, truly I say to you. Now I want to point I pointed this out to Sophie one night late at Denny's. And I'm going to point it out again because I think this is the answer because I know that Jews would know about that stuff. Anyway, so, the verse 11, it says, Truly, truly, Jesus is talking. He said, I say to you, look at the next word. What's the next word? We? We. You see that, Todd? Yes. It says, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. That's a little confusing. Isn't well, it? not to me. Okay, Nicodemus right. is not a Jewish name. It's a Greek name, oh, Zopi. Okay. And, and you could, if you oh, had enough, you're getting the idea. No,
5: no, no, no. So he's saying,
2: we Jews know. Now, if you doubt what I'm saying, th- now this is a guy at the top of what we might call society, even though they're all a bunch of captured folks over in Jerusalem by the Romans. Uh-huh. This is the top. And Jesus is saying to him, You've got to be born again. What do you mean you don't get this? You're a teacher, a rabbi. How do you know this? In other words, what I understand, he's saying, How did you get to be in charge of this? You don't even get this, but we know of what we speak. I think, I think Jesus is saying.
5: Was he, was he, Jesus, kind of chiding him a bit?
2: Well, I think Jesus is saying, You're Why a Greek. You no, he said, I think he's saying, You're a Greek. How did you get in charge of the How San, did you on, become a rabbi? Uh, well, and on the Sanhedrin? Because it's, a, a it's Pharisee, clearly yeah. a Greek a, a Greek name, Nicodemus. Uh-huh. Now, if you think that's odd, the more complete sentence, and we'll talk about Does this... Does
5: that mean no Jewish person could, could have a Greek name?
2: No. I was going to say that okay. there's always a possibility this is an apostate Jew that's a Greek uh-huh. follower. I see. But... If you look at the comparison sentence, the woman at the well, chapter 4, uh-huh. and the reason these two chapters, I think, are back-to-back, this is a Jewish way of approaching it, you got the highest guy in society,
6: you
7: say the, the Sanhedrin,
2: uh-huh. even though they're all actually a bunch of slaves because the Romans have captured all of them, you couldn't get on the Sanhedrin unless you purchased it from Herod and the Romans. So a guy with money, whether he was an apostate Jew with a Greek name or a Greek, he could have got on. Anyway, here's the point. So over in the woman at the well, in chapter Look at the comparison sentence. Okay. And uh, and it says, uh, let me find it real quick. Oh, look, the woman at the well. I know there's a couple of questions, but I'm not touching your question, soapy uh-huh. But in 422, would you turn to that with me, Todd? I'm looking at it, right. And no. look, Jesus talking to this woman. This is not one of your questions, soapy Okay. But look at the comparison sentence. It's four. 22, and Jesus talking. He said, you, talking to the Samaritan, Uh worship what you do not know. But we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. That's almost the identical sentence. I think what he's saying to Nicodemus is exactly what he's saying to this woman. You're not Jewish. How did you get to be on the Sanhedrin? How do you not know this? This is a well-known Jewish concept. No, I, very, I just put very, a... Very, very interesting. I that. have just put a wrinkle in that doctrine, haven't I? Yeah, you, you have. What do you think there, Todd?
6: <laughs> well, yeah, no, it makes sense. It does make sense what you're saying.
5: It helps to see the context and see the, the comparison of the two from the up and outer to the down and outer here.
2: Exactly. But That's it, the reason in a Jewish concept, remember I always say you got to think in stories, pictures? Here's the picture. The top, who I am going to maintain probably was either apostate Jew or Greek. So he's at the top, uh-huh. if, as you could be at top as a captured people, but he's at the top.
5: As a religious authority. Well,
2: so yeah, on. but you bought, you had the function and pay okay. Rome. But so you got this guy at the top, whatever, and the woman at the bottom of society, and she's a Samaritan. Well. And what's really fascinating for that to happen, you got the top and the bottom, shall we say, and you got almost the same sentences. And Jesus clearly says in the nicknames, we know of what we speak, uh-huh. but you, he's making a difference between this guy. Uh-huh. If this guy was Jewish, he wouldn't be saying, you don't know. He would, Just he, like he was saying to the one at yeah. the of the Samaritan, you don't know. You don't understand the
5: concept of being born? Well,
2: I put him. a wrinkle on that one, didn't I, Todd? <laughs> yes, definitely.
5: <laughs> he did, he did. You know what I like about if we could, I don't know, Todd might have a response to that as well. Uh, I, what I like about the woman's response is she says, well, I know the Messiah is coming. So she jumps over evidently to the Jewish understanding, what she knows of Judaism. is that Well, everybody, everybody
2: is very, very familiar. Okay, with, with so she Messiah. says,
5: I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called... Christ, uh, Greek word uh, Christoph, uh, Messiah. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So she's—is that by that statement, is she kind of buying in to what Jesus has said? It,
2: it is true, but you have to know a little bit about the Samaritans. They were transported there against their will uh-huh. by the Assyrians. Of course, you'll find this in the Book of Kings, uh-huh. and and they picked up some Jews and they took them away. So they brought with them their own concepts, their own religions, their own gods. And they did have, and they blended into that, the concept of the Jewish Messiah.
5: Okay. So she, for some reason or other, she does see that. And she says, when he comes, he will explain everything. And this is one of those moments when Jesus out and out says, I the one who's talking to you. I am he. I am the Messiah. Uh, kind of a straightforward, it's it's not the only time, but it's one of those straightforward, direct claims of Jesus to be uh, the Messiah, um, of course, he did that before the Sanhedrin at his last trial
2: as Let's well. Uh, can we ask Todd a question? Sure, sure. i got a question for you, Todd. You ready? Now, he's already won his prize. Sure. So we he lose, has? We'll so I, if he, he loses back. this question, I can't take it back from him? No, mm-hmm. he cannot take his prize away. All right, Todd, i got a question for you. Okay. All right. Now, Soapy does have on his list of questions something about this Samaritan woman at the well. Okay. So... Um, uh, Are you well, going to ask
5: what was the village? No.
2: Well, I was, but that seems like an awful hard question for somebody. It's kind of technical, actually. But. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's try this, Todd. Um, when J- Jesus asked her for something at the well, correct? Yes. And what does he ask for? As he starts the conversation. Uh, he
6: asks her for water.
2: He asks her for water uh, to drink, exactly. And uh, that would be chapter 4 verse 7 and then was and it says his disciples are gone away now look at verse 9 for me and what version are you using Todd this is the New Jerusalem Bible ah okay I, nine. okay yeah, I actually have a copy of that I, but I I have a copy of them all <laughs> this one, this one says the woman was
5: surprised for for Jews normally refused to have anything to do with Samaritans ah
2: and thank said,
5: you. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Okay, what are you going to do with that?
2: Well, I'm going to correct it. Oh, my That's goodness. not what it says in Greek. Okay. And this is, now this is going to be a little touchy subject, so bear with me, folks. My friend Todd and my friend Soapy. Okay. And other uh, audience friends. Uh, and one other friend he might have. Well, there might be one. I do, I know there's a dog that pays close <laughs> attention. It's a beautiful uh, golden retriever. Okay. His, his name is Max. Anyway. Uh, okay, now look what it says. And Todd, you with me in verse 9? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. What does it say in Greek? Okay, well, here's what it says. Now, when it, you phrase something, this woman saying, Jews have no dealings, that seems to suggest that there's some type of frame of mind or even prejudice against the non-Jews, doesn't it? Is that a fair thing to say?
5: No. Not, no? not to me it doesn't. It's That's, not? Maybe to Todd. Maybe...
2: Todd, what do you think?
6: Well, the, the, the well, the whole idea of like of the Good Samaritan was that the, the Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, and, and the Jews looked at the Samaritans like they were lower uh-huh. class. So.
2: This is why correctness and accuracy become so important because. I've always wondered about this phrase because I wonder, I know that this tends to sound like Jews are uppity. I mean, these are a bunch of cap- captured people. They don't like these Samaritans. I think there was some truth to that because they were put into the land of Israel, involuntarily, I'll say. But the, would you like to of course, I,
5: this is not Jesus saying that. This
2: is the woman. The woman says, I that's a great point. The woman says, you Jews. Don't have any dealings with us. That sounds like we don't want to have interaction, conversations. Yeah, uh-huh. That's not what it says. Now, look at the previous sentence. He She says, well, I says he asked for a drink, and, she's, and he, she actually goes on and says, well, and where's your, yeah. Where's your cup? Well, now I'm going to tell you what that really says in any Greek. And Sophie, I know you have the Greek stuff. Oh, I do. And you can look at this. It okay. doesn't say dealings. It says you don't have a cup. Now no, that's, why? That's,
5: that's verse seventeen. I mean verse eleven. Uh
2: huh. Yes. You don't have a rope.
5: You don't have a bucket. How are you going to? Yeah.
2: Uh huh. But what I'm saying in verse nine, when it says, "Ask for a drink," since I'm a Samaritan woman, she says, "For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." That's not what that says. It says you don't. Ha- you don't use our cups. You don't use our cups. In other words. The Jews used kosher cups, and she's saying you're going to drink out of our cup. And Are you kidding me? Is the, you mean to tell me the translation is that far off? Well, and if if I'm saying this, what I want to know, and I'm real curious about. In fact, I'm looking, and I'm looking right here in this particular Greek translation. So I'll just read it to you. In this Greek translation, it it means you do not use our dishes.
5: You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. No. Why are you asking me for a drink? Right. That's what I see. So yeah. you're saying that in reality uh-huh. that's a loose translation because that's what you're really saying is you're, a, you're, I got,
2: uh, you're uh, a
5: Jew and I'm a Samaritan right. woman and I don't. you wouldn't want to use my cup. That's exactly. what you're saying. Exactly.
2: That is different than saying we don't have any dealings with you because you know you're a... Another kind of person, your lower class, and i 'm going to suggest i 've always wondered about that, and there 's other ones. Why is that translated that? Is that meant to make to give the Jew a, as a picture of somebody that was uppity in prejudice I don't think that, that is not Johnson what that you, says right? that would act- be And i 'll read it to you again from the Greek it says uh, it can, some version will say cup, but it actually says the, uh, meaning you do not use our the i 'm sorry you do not use our Samaritan dishes. Now, that would very simply remain that Jesus kept kosher, and the Jews generally kept kosher if well, they could. Why not
5: nine? What about no. verse 9? What does it say in your. No. Well, in that's, that is 9. That's what I'm reading. It says here, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're anything saying the woman was
5: surprised because uh, Jews uh-huh. don't usually drink out of Samaritan vessels? Uh, that's right. Vessels.
2: Yeah. And if you go on, it, uh, that's the context of the conversation as you go on. She actually says uh, in verse 11, you know, the water's deep, and and uh, he says, well, you don't have a bucket, you, you don't have, have a, rope, a yeah. and uh, sir, give me the, uh, uh, give me, the, uh, give me this water. And she goes on, she says, I don't, you don't have a cup. Well, they're talking about the cup. That's why this whole thing from let's say from uh, 11, I'm sorry, from 9 through uh, uh, 14, let's say. Is talking about the utensil to drink out of. But if I change that from that and I put it in the other way, it comes out sounding like somebody didn't want the Jews to look so good.
5: Well, that wouldn't be John, I don't think. Or was it just the translators?
2: I do not know the answer, but I can tell you this. Right here I've got it, and I'll show it to you if you like. It actually, it actually talks about the utensil to drink out of. Some translators say uh, cups. Some say dishes. Huh. But what I'm saying is... That's one of those things I've always been troubled about because I thought, how would somebody take it and say copper dish and translate? We well, don't have any dealings with us. That's like yeah. we don't even talk to you. Well,
5: Todd, this this brings me to a,
2: a topic. ah, it, i was segue. It brings me yeah, a, to uh, a this topic. is what Sophie wants to talk about. It,
5: this it brings me to the topic that I've been talking, uh, thinking a lot about, and talking to Jacob about is that I, 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 have you ever had any problem with this particular? A story based on that statement about well, a Samaritan, the Samaritan woman's response to him. That has that are has never been to Todd? that's never been my really concern uh, about it. What when you've read this is a well-known story, right? For is. those of us who know are the Are you Bible. talking to Todd? me? Todd,
2: Todd, are you there? Mm-hmm. Yes.
5: This is a fairly well-known story. Have you ever had any problem, real problem? I'm talking about with the idea that well, she says. You know, we don't usually have a lot of dealings, uh, Jews and Samaritans, and uh, and uh, how is it, blah blah blah. I've never really that has never become the focus of my attention that somehow somebody was taking a pot shot at the Jews. That it, it never has actually been a. I never have even thought of that uh, in a way. Have have you before? Has that kind of been a bother to you?
6: No, I mean I kind of look at it in in, in light of even much earlier things um, in the Old Testament, like Jonah not wanting to take the message of God to the people you know, of Nineveh, just because there Nineveh, was some yeah. kind of a, it was almost like they were some of the people wanted to keep God to their own little tribe. And, 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 and you know, it was, you know, I think there was, that, that's sort of how I looked at it. There was, I mean, there, there, there did seem to be that whole notion we're better than the rest of people kind of thing
2: but okay. it was, it well, was i mean they were all capable uh, of being
6: that way thinking that way yeah. tell know? me well do, do you, hard, really, yeah.
2: well do you know uh Skata, do you know anything about the uh, people who lived in nineveh these well, were just a the good-hearted people on a shopping day on a sunday afternoon uh, yeah they, they they were apparently doing some pretty rough things there they were they nearby. killed they would kill people including many jews and they skinned right. them and put their skins on the outside of their village Right. And well, they, were, there was. The, yeah, very they were doing tough some
5: really people.
6: bad things to the Jews, for
5: sure. Exactly, and I and I suspect that was part of uh, uh, part of Jonah's hesitation is he he didn't want to see this nation prosper and do well. I mean, I mean, but I'm not sure if racism is really the correct idea for it. Well,
2: perhaps perhaps I'm wrong, but I will say this from a Jewish point of view: when a Jew looks at that. That's what they pick up on.
5: I see. And that's part of what I was bringing up, Todd, this evening tonight, is that I think sometimes Jews and Gentiles have a whole different way of approaching some of the passages. It, we have a different, we're coming from different points, of, a different place as we take a look at a mm-hmm. passage. We've got to take a break again. Hang on, Todd, and we'll be back right after these messages, folks. You
4: may be an ambassador to England or no France. You may like the gimbal. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
5: I like that version from Bob Dylan. I kind of wanted to hear a little bit more of that. Uh, Some people don't know that Bob Dylan had a highly publicized. this. Bob Dylan is from the old, you know, you young folks, y'all don't know about this. I don't know if if, uh, Todd will remember Bob Dylan or not. Do you remember Bob Dylan, Todd, by any chance?
6: I Well, I was a Pretty young kid when he came on the scene, but I heard a lot of his music. He was an old, uh,
5: he was not rock so much rock. He was kind of a folk singer, and uh, he had a reputation for you know kind of being straight shooter and telling the truth in his songs and so on. Kind of a moral uh, voice for a generation, but he had a highly publicized conversion in Mm -hmm. the early seventies. He's a Jewish man, of course, and he there was uh, he. In fact, is he created a whole album called "Slow Train Coming"? Uh, Slow Train Coming, and if you could look it up on the internet, it's in great music. It really is. Uh, man, ga- uh, God, uh, man gave names to all the animals. You know, I, I use that from time to time when we're reading the Book of Genesis. And then this song here, you got to serve somebody. And he talked. He there's a song dedicated to the young, to the woman who led him to faith in uh, in, uh Christ. And and he he had. This moment in his life I don't know really what has happened to him since I don't know if he's followed through or following on with the Lord uh, in his life or not but uh, it was very very interesting and that uh, that song of course comes from that album and uh, I, I like it I like it a lot I, I like he's a master songwriter. Well let's get back to our topic though and, and that is Todd for one I want to tell you that we don't want to keep you necessarily on that line on the telephone. Uh, but uh, you have won some great prizes, and I wondered, would you like to go ahead and give that information to John and uh, sure. put you on our list? Good deal, and thank you for <laughs> calling in. I think you brought in—you really brought up a very important topic, something that's kind of been on my mind anyway. So keep listening, stay with us. I, I think we're—we're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this whole notion of how the difference in the way it seems to me, at least, as a kind of an Apache Indian, sort of a normal gen, Gentile, committed follower of Jesus Messiah we kind of approach the whole idea of Jesus and salvation and so on. we seem to kind of approach it uh, differently than maybe uh, Jacob, Uh, although Jacob, very much admirer of Jesus the Messiah, and uh, on the same page. But there is is that... We're not quite as intent on kind of keeping Israel's honor, you know, protecting the Jews' honor and so on. And uh, one of the first... One of the first things, and and I think correctly in this passage, by the way, that same verse 9, Todd, that we were talking about, in the version I have, it says, some manuscripts omit this sentence.
2: Yeah, now that's in the version you're reading, right? Yeah, the sentence about how it used to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Even in your version, it says some versions don't use this. So, so, and I'm just saying, and Todd, have I been too hard on you?
6: (laughs) No, not at all, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I
2: don't want to, but that no. I'm just identifying things that yeah. I catch.
5: Yeah. Well, let me let me put Todd on hold and let him give that information to John. Don't hang up, Todd. Just give that to John, and uh, okay. and we'll continue to discuss a little bit this matter. Uh, and I don't want to make a big deal of, of it either, Jacob. It's not like I have this huge uh, uh, criticism, but it just seems to be that at times we we Gentiles we heard about. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, it's the same right. God. It's Jehovah. Right. And we read the same Old Testament. Right. I, obviously, there's some passages that sure. we don't get all the technicalities y'all do. But let's say we got the Ten Commandments, we got the Torah, we yes. got the Absolute redemptive plan. And and, we and it was meant
2: for everybody. Yes. And so Jew we, or not? It was meant for everybody.
5: <clears throat> which makes e-
2: everybody part of Israel.
5: What excited me? Yeah, exactly. And so what excited me is, wow, you know, I can be reconciled to God. I can be forgiven and cleansed. Heaven is my ultimate destiny now. I'm not afraid of death because I know that I'm going to go be with the Lord. And now God is with me to teach me and help me know how to live and to live a good life to honor God with my life and to share His love with other people. So that that kind of and I'm really excited about Messiah. Why the the that's why we're we're, a lot of us Gentiles. We're very excited about Jesus. We we are so grateful. And it it's so exciting that, you know, he, he bled, he died, he suffered for my sake and all these sort of things that you're accustomed to hearing. Uh, we're very enthusiastic about that. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, it seems like, and and I know there are a lot of Jewish people who are a, as well right. very excited about Yeshua. Okay,
2: I'm waiting for the other shoe. on the other
5: hand, you seem maybe not quite as excited about Jesus and you're, and like one uh, rabbi one prominent Jewish rabbi told me one time we, you know you Gentile you all kind of think about heaven you think about eternity eternal life and we're not so concerned about that as we are as how to live today in this world Right. A- and uh, as if that takes the emphasis off Jesus or somehow or other uh, that Jesus only came to forgive our sins But and, and so in other words it was just a little bit of a I- I'm kind of wondering how, what is it what are we missing how are we kind of
2: if I may quote, other, you know. if I may quote that Jewish guy Jesus, he said when somebody he's talking to that uh, centurion, I believe, a okay. uh, so off the top of my head, he says, "I have not sound such a great faith in all of Israel." Yeah. All right. So okay, I, a Roman, I, I, a a Roman, and so I agree with you that the enthusiasm among the non-Jews is different; it is greater, and it looks to me not only today, but it appears to be back then. And and I think it's because, you know, I, I can speculate on all kinds. We had ways. nothing,
5: you know. We had nothing. Y'all, y'all had. Maybe it's because uh-huh. y'all we had become familiar with. Well, with
2: I th- you know at that time, let, let's, let's the, the, we're sitting in a situation with Jesus, uh-huh. Yeshua, uh, and what's happening is you every time the Romans and Herod had instituted a, a system. They had taken, they had fired all the Levites from the temple. Right. They put their own boys in there. And so if you did anything religious, you had to pay a tax to Herod and to Rome. <laughs> and it was a way of collecting it. So you got a kind of a downbeat mentality. You're getting, everything you're doing is making you feel very inferior. So naturally, you know, if I came to your house and I made you do stuff constantly, and if you went out and worked hard, and then I sat down at dinner time and you couldn't rest, you have to make dinner for me uh-huh. because you're my slave. And then you cr-
5: and then you criticize my meal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
2: so I'm I, I'm afraid I would not be very wholesome towards you. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I would have to be courteous because of fear, but I wouldn't in my heart feel wholesome towards you. So, you know, I I get what you're saying, and I don't know if that comes into play here or not. But I think that the Jews, if I may say it this way, and please forgive me, anybody in the audience, if I'm getting this incorrect, but I think they are viewing it as more of an. It has nothing to do with getting to heaven, I want to say, but it has become a duty of the Jew to make good deeds in the world. And so they're looking at it as more of a kind of a chore than a blessing. And I'm just suggesting that because. We all know the word mitzvah. Well, Jews have never thought that by doing God's laws that you get to heaven. We've That's, talked about that before. You don't
5: earn your way to heaven. No,
2: it doesn't exist. But you are expected, the Jews are very fond of saying, especially the scholarly Jews, that there is no Torah, the first five books, in heaven. Only on earth. And the reason for that is you yeah. don't need the Torah in heaven because you got God. Yeah. So, But you need the Torah here to tell you from God how to live in this world. So they're reading it and saying, look, I believe in God. He's going to take care of my salvation, but he wants me to do what he told me to do in this world because I'm going to fill this world full of godly acts that he said are my kind of acts. So it becomes kind of more of a, I hate to say it, but perhaps more of a chore mentality.
5: I get it, and no, I, I and I don't mean it critically at all. I'm just, in my view, what I'm talking about here is more problem solving in the sense that we are two people who belong together. Those who are followers of Yeshua, followers of Jesus Christ, Gentile followers, uh, we are uh, part of Israel. We've been grafted in. We, w- there should not be this talking past each other, and I, and and I've often wished that that. There could be a reconciliation, and understanding, and 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 maybe learning from each of us the strengths that come from each point of view. I, I guess one of the things that I, I wondered about: what about from the Jewish perspective of salvation? When you think of salvation, uh, are you thinking primarily of atonement and forgiveness and cleansing uh, by the you know the, the Lamb whose blood is shed? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin and uh, and so on and so on. Are you, do you think, of, when you think of a, a salvation, do you also include the aspect of sanctification? That God has not only committed Himself to forgiving us and cleansing us of our sin, but also to changing us and, and so that writing His laws on mm-hmm. our hearts, so mm-hmm. we act like God's people. Now that seems much more in line with, with. The concern, you know, the primary concern, you You seem to be more concerned about sanctification than necessarily. Well, and I'm going to be honest
2: with you. I have a great difficulty classifying that and making that work in my head, because I'm not really, really that, good with that. That makes sense to me. Then that maybe,
5: maybe that's an unknown. But
2: salvation problem. is uh, getting to heaven. That's what I think we mean by that. I see. That is a given. It's by grace. It's by God. I can't do anything on my own to get there. Jews don't understand that they can. But they are expected to do what God told them to do in this world. And that means make good deeds here. And the only reason I know what's bad and what's good is because God said so.
5: All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that because... Uh, from uh, the New Testament perspective and kind of a the perspective you, I came more of a common Gentile or evangelical Christian sort of view, mm-hmm. sanctification is just a more, just as much a part of our salvation as justification. justification meaning God cleansed us and forgiven us and you know has prepared a place for us now in heaven. Mm-hmm. but then we enter into this phase of our salvation called uh-huh. sanctification right, where right. God is changing us in writing His Law, the Torah, on our heart, so that we actually want to do the things that that glorify Him and that's
2: that him. and that would make it extremely compatible with the Jewish.
5: That's faith. what I was thinking, uh, and that's a very that to us it's a fair. I think it's a little maybe a little more well known aspect. Although there are a lot of Christians also who who don't understand that God has committed Himself to us. To that extent, not only forgiving us and cleansing us, but also well, our lives. I believe you're quoting, minds.
2: writing God's laws on your heart. I believe that comes from a book <laughs> in the New Testament. And I believe that comes you're from... You're
5: quoting the, an Old Testament Well,
2: you're out. quoting also, yes, you are. But it also comes in the New Testament from the book of Hebrew. Yes. Now, the question in my mind is, if God's laws has been done away with, hasn't anybody told God? Because the <laughs> He's the tes- busy writing it in, well, in, in, in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, it says, he's going, it repeats it, he's going to write his laws in your heart. Well, what's he writing if they've been done away with?
5: Well, I tell you, there's one good thing that you should take some hope from. What's that? If God is writing his laws on our heart, Uh he's not going to mess up the translation.
2: I take credit for that. I, I, I mean, I, I take, comfort. let me let me correct that. I do, I, I give credit for that to you for saying it, and that's a great point.
5: <laughs> you should be comforted by that fact. We're, he's not going to make a mistake in the translation. Okay. Who we got on Esther, the line? Esther, Esther. Oh, C- Queen Esther is on the, on the phone with Whoa. us. There. Hi, Thank
4: Esther. I like that.
5: <laughs>
4: Good to hear me from because you. Because I have trouble, you sound like you're on Mars.
5: All right, uh I'm sorry about that. We yeah. we sometimes have that uh, Are you on Venus?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. From Mars, sure. I got from that Venus Mars Venus, right? Book is muddled in my mind. I I could not resist listening to you guys talking about uh the Jewish perspective of eternity versus the Christian uh idea of what eternity is, how you live your life today. The Jewish people Uh, they live their life today according to the Torah. There is very important how they treat other human beings because this is, they're gonna treat them in accordance with the will of, uh, the God of Israel. Okay, according to his law. Right. So their sights are set on this world. That's the concept. But when you go into a synagogue, which my husband and I have done, and you listen to them sing, and you read the books they read. You hear the prayers they pray. They're talking and praying about salvation for the whole world. Their sights are not on living in this world. They're singing and praising uh, the God of creation, and into eternity is where they want to go. However they get there, according to his grace, they leave that up to him whereas when you go into a christian church which my husband and i have been uh-huh. and still do you hear them sing their songs and pray their prayers and their focus is not on eternity it's not on the god of all creation it's on them and their fallenness and their needs in this world though you say that the Christians' sights are set on heaven and the Jews' sides are set on this earth. I think it's a little bit off.
7: Okay. I I appreciate
4: hearing that. From my perspective, that's what I've seen, Uh so I thought I would throw that out there. You guys are doing a great job. Thank Thank
2: you, Esther. Esther. That was a great, articulate, and very clear comment, which I happen to agree with.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will let you people carry on. Thank you, Esther. That was
5: was very good. We do realize, too, when we talk about these... uh, Issues and these things that we're we're painting with a broad brush. We're generalizing, and it's always a little difficult because not all Gentiles believers think the same way, and not all Jewish believers think the same way. But I've just noticed uh, uh, that that we are two people groups who belong together. Uh, We 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 follow the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same scriptures, the same message of redemption, the same plan of redemption, uh, the Jewish Messiah. The, uh, in other words, it should be that, wow, there should be this oneness and this kind of seamless relationship as we've moved forward. But yet there there are different life experiences that we bring. And um, and I, am, I know I'm generalizing because there are Jewish believers who are very excited too, about Jesus and about forgiveness and about heaven and so on. And there are Gentile believers, too, who uh, we're not just sitting around waiting to go to heaven someday. We want to live right. We want to live our lives that honor God and and that obey God in all of our ways and the, and uh, so on and experience his blessing. And, and so it, it's not one, all one way or the other. But sometimes I think that just the kind of the different emphasis when is it in reality, hey, stop! You're both right, you know, uh, both points of view. And it seems to me, like correctly understood, the the gospel, the salvation that God has given us in the New Testament, as we see it described, it wasn't just all about, well, I'm I'm forgiven for my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed, and now I'm going to heaven. And so I'm sitting around here just twiddling my thumbs now, waiting to go to heaven. You know, we, we do have to live here on planet Earth. We do have to continue to re- relate to our families and to our neighbors and our friends and in our society. We want to do the right things and all. So, uh, the the New Testament paints this picture of sanctification. After we've come to Christ, God has not only committed Himself to forgiving us, but also to changing our
2: lives. So be am I. Am I to understand that again? Sanct- writing
5: His laws on our heart Okay,
2: yeah. I was gonna just going to say exactly. That. I, am I to understand? But I, I should understand of sanctification is that uh, once you accept Jesus and you're in, you might say, uh-huh, uh-huh. then as you progressively grow, you're learning to do God's laws. Oh
5: yeah. It, it it wasn't...
2: Well, you know, I, I, in that heaven. case, I'm not against sanctification.
5: Okay, good. good. It's evidently a Hebrew or a Jewish concept because Paul is the one who talks about it. Uh, in Romans 5, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and talks about we're being sanctified. We're, uh, someone has said that sanctification, made holy is the root of the word. It comes from the Latin word santo, made you know, holy. We are being. Remember, the Old Testament says, "You will be holy, even as I, the Lord your God, am holy." It was a pronouncement of God's intention that He was going to make His people holy, and and part of the commitment of the salvation redemption process is that not only forgiven and cleansed, but He's now at work within us to not only forgive our sin, but take the sin out of our life and and give us a new nature that responds to His holiness and to His right his righteous impulses and a right way of living. And I, and I think, I don't think go, Christianity is all about just going to heaven. And I hope people don't understand it that way. Although I think, to our well, sorrow, when spoke, there are a lot of people who think that Christianity is just about uh-huh. going to heaven.
2: Well, when you spoke to the rabbi, and I know which rabbi you're talking about. Uh-huh. It was a very learned guy who who was in town here. He's uh-huh. retired now,
5: and I like him very much.
2: Well, he's yeah. very fond of you.
5: Yeah. Uh, any rate, um, naturally.
2: Yeah, of course. How could anyone <laughs> yes, resist? I know. But you know. As I recall, you told me he said to you said well we 're not all that concerned about getting to heaven, and he says that seems to be a major concern of Christians
5: exactly, so he had kind of picked up on that
2: well and that's exactly, that 's exactly as Esther uh, uh, elucidated and uh, yeah. and, and I, I think I've reiterated that 's kind of the idea the Jews yeah, they expect grace from God. I mean the word grace is in Hebrew, and it appears all over in the to Tanakh or the Old Testament, if you will. But so it's there, but uh, it's it's really considered how you live in this world is what God has given us the obligation of doing.
5: And and we probably, we should be far more concerned and serious about that uh, as believing Christians. And, and, and frankly, uh, one of the things we teach uh, at Lackland Air Force Base is we're giving these... Uh, young men and women from all over the country that when we talk to them about the message of the gospel and and, you know I had a wonderful experience this morning 25 young men and women who kind of came in late Jacob uh, to a class and so I I was teaching our alpha class our first class where we introduced them to the gospel message and out of 25 young men and women uh, from age you know what 20, 25 in that age over half of them were in writing, uh, indicated that they had made the first time decision to trust Christ and to begin a relationship with God, and I, I was just stunned. You know, it's just God is so good. The power of the gospel message is, is there, but uh, we do make try as we ground them in their faith and kind of build on the foundation of that relationship with God. We're very, uh, very. I think it's the third and fourth lessons we talk to them about how that, you know, how then shall we live? In other words. God isn't just interested in forgiving our sins and getting us to heaven; He's also interested in changing, f- fulfilling our lives here, helping us to live godly, righteous, and pure, holy lives, so that we bring honor to God, we bring blessing on our lives, our families, and so on, and we we and we draw others, we attract others to to the relationship with God. So, in other words, it's not just about oh, I accepted Jesus now I can go to heaven. It, it's now about you know, Jesus himself said, I've come that you might have life, an abundant life, full and meaningful and significant and exciting and thrilling. Mm-hmm. You know, he's interested in life on planet Earth as well. Uh, we should be, as believers, we should be as well. And just So I, I think we can learn that lesson from you guys. Now, what Esther was saying is that sometimes in our Christian churches even, we seem maybe to be more interested in, and I'm not sure what Esther had in mind, but I get Sometimes if you hear certain preachers the, about making money and getting rich and doing well and, and getting in the upper social oh, economic grouping and so I, on. Before
2: the show goes off, I, 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 I saw a movie over the weekend I want to recommend to you.
5: Are you talking about that A.D.? No. This,
2: this no. Movie?
5: Okay, not yeah. that.
2: Okay. Uh, but I'm, I am going to watch that when it gets online. Uh-huh. It's called Woman in Gold. It's, on, it's playing at the theaters, and it's a true story. Oh, it's in the theaters, and it's not yeah. on... on it's, and it? it's a true story. It's called Woman, Woman in Gold. Woman in Gold. Can you give us a little yes, bit of a... Yes, it's a story of a real Jewish family in Austria who had their art stolen and how they fought for years to get their art back, and they won. And at the end of the movie, they show the real people and the young lawyer that did it and all that. It's a really okay. interesting story, and how they end up actually basically uh, forgiving the Austrians... And, and the Austrians give the art back because they say, we're not doing it just for you, to the older Jewish lady, uh-huh. we're doing it for us. Oh, <laughs>
5: I like that already just right there. That, that kind of hit a, a, a tone with me. Well, good. Uh, we can see, uh, what's the name of it? A it's called
2: Woman in Gold, and in it's a Gold. true story. Oh,
5: right. Good, good. Maybe we can...
2: And it's a good movie.
5: Well, don't you agree with me, though, that there, we have a lot I more always in agree common. with you,
2: even yeah. when you're wrong.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, but we do have a lot more. I think you and I are discovering, even, that we have a whole lot more in common than we have that, that separates us. But it just takes some listening and, and sharing our hearts and kinda of learning from each other. And I've been incredibly enriched by that by that Hebrew perspective. And uh again that's kinda of why we have you here, Jacob. But uh, I think we ought to be getting along a lot better. Do you I think maybe you've told me at times that you think maybe we are that you've oh, seen some I, I significant believe so. Movement. I, I,
2: yes, I would agree with that, yeah. In fact, uh, I told you that one night that you had the Orthodox Rabbi on as a guest. Uh-huh. I've, I've told you about this. I brought the. I ran across an article from someplace else about that, and I was surprised because uh, they actually mentioned your show.
5: <laughs> Yay! The first time Soapy Dollar has ever appeared. And, and I a, and I was a surprised. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I was surprised because that's a real Orthodox publication, and he was an Orthodox Rabbi, and they gave you pretty good laudatory. they were sitting
5: around scratching their heads and going. Down. I, we didn't, Soapy Dollar, how is that a Jewish name? But, but we have been grafted in, that's for sure. Well, there's our music. Mike, I am so sorry that we're not going to be able to take your call tonight. Our, our music well, is can, gonna,
2: after the show, you can say hi to Mike. Yeah,
5: I'll, I'll get a chance to say, stay on the line, Michael, and we'll get a chance to say hi to you. Thanks, Jacob. It's a great evening. and we. Scratch a little bit beneath the service. Next week we finish the Gospel of John, folks, so uh, tell your friends and neighbors and join us, all right? See you next Sunday.
4: The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
1: Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz <laughs> Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Sophie and the Bible Live broadcast. You may
4: also order materials at the website and make tax deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel. And broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.